In our busy world, family time frequently gets neglected. It is vital that we give attention to our families while we can, and it is especially important to give attention to what God says in His Word about our homes. For the next few minutes, let's join Scott Pauley as we open the Scriptures and find God's message for your family. The beautiful home is not the one with no problems, perfect people, and every want fulfilled. It's not the one where, where husband and wife always get along and children always do what is expected of them. That's, that's not the beautiful home. The beautiful home is the one where broken people, sinners, like Adam, like Eve, like their children, realize their own responsibility to stay right with God and right with one another. It, it, there is no perfect family. There is no perfect home. Even the perfect family fell. And so we return to our portion of Scripture in the book of Genesis. It's so rich and wonderful. I just I don't want to move on yet. In our last study, we discussed the fact that Eden was not enough. You know, we're living in a world of so much discontent. And we'll talk more about the principle of contentment and the practice of it as we will weave through the pages of Scripture because it comes up again and again and again. But here it is initially with even Adam and Eve. They had it all and still were not content. So the question is this. If one more thing or some other person or a better circumstance is not the answer, what really makes home complete? What makes it whole? What makes it what it ought to be? And the answer to that question is found right in the passage. Now, we read the first seven verses of Genesis 3, but listen to verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You see how God's voice comes? And his voice is seen as active. The voice is walking. God is on the move. God's always on the move. God is always passing by, making himself known. And the Bible says, And Adam and his wife hid themselves, and here's the phrase, from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, it would be comical if it wasn't so sad. Do they really think they can hide their sin with fig leaf aprons? Do they really think they can hide from an all-seeing, all-knowing God behind the trees? The answer, of course, to that is no. God is everywhere. God sees and God knows. And even when God asked them in a moment, Adam, where art thou? Uh, when he says, uh, who told thee that thou wast naked? When he said, uh, did you eat of the tree I commanded that thou shouldest not eat? All these question marks God asked them. God is not really asking for information. He already knew. He's asking for confession. He wants them to say it. God doesn't, uh, doesn't ask us for information. He already knows. He knows everything. He just wants you to say it, to agree with him, to acknowledge your sin. That's, that's what he's always wanted, truth in the inward parts. That's what David said. But here's the phrase that has captured my attention in Genesis 3, verse 8. What were they hiding from? They were hiding from the presence of the Lord God. What made Eden Eden? It was the presence of the Lord God. See, I don't believe that this was the first time God ever came walking through that garden in the cool of the day. I think he came regularly. 
In fact, I think every other day they had run to the voice, toward the presence of God. This was the first day they hid. This is why this day was distinct and different. That's why this day was tragic. See, everyone is either running toward the presence of God or away from the presence of God. Everyone is either attracted to the Lord's voice and call or they're repelled by it. Because, in the words of the prophet, your sins and iniquities have separated between you and your God. On this day, something had come between them and their creator. Remember, the context here is a garden. All through the Bible, the garden is symbolic of a place where God loves to meet with his people. For example, you'll remember the Song of Solomon, the setting of Song of Solomon, the the bridegroom and the bride in love with one another. Where do they meet? In the garden. Uh, In the New Testament. Our Lord very frequently went to the garden to pray and commune with his Father. It was in the garden where he revealed himself after his resurrection to those who loved him most. So the garden is symbolic as a place of fellowship. Uh, Our home is to be his garden where every beautiful thing grows and where we fellowship, where we meet with him. Friend, if that's going to happen, we're going to have to keep everything out of the garden that would hinder his purpose. Weeds grow too easily in the garden of our home. So you've got to work at it. You've got to get out of the garden the things that should not be there. And then you must have times each day where you meet with God in the garden. You see, God came in the cool of the day to meet with them, to speak to them. I love this picture. God wants to speak to you individually and collectively. God wants to commune with your family every day. It's not just on the Lord's day. Every day is a Lord's day. God wants to minister to your family today. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to speak to him. We'll talk more about the family altar and family worship, but it shouldn't start at the church house. It should start at our house. By the way, if we keep the presence of the Lord in his rightful place in our homes, it'll keep all these other ugly, awful things out because there's not room for both. Christ will crowd everything else out. Adam had to learn to stay close to God. Eve had to learn to stay close to God Don't miss this. It's not enough to try to stay close to each other. You have to stay close to God. And as we grow to love him more, we learn how to love each other more. And as we learn to stay close to God, God keeps us close to one another. This is what we learn from this first family. Look, think about them. They had a meaningful purpose. God had given them dominion. They had a beautiful place to live, the garden. They had bountiful provision, everything they needed. They had loving parameters. God said, this is the one tree you can't eat of. They had wonderful partners. They had each other. They had the divine presence. And friend, that was the greatest thing of all. It is the presence of our God. Now, let's not leave it on a negative note today because, thank God, the Lord didn't leave them there. After he asked them the questions and calls them to confess, what does he do? Well, certainly, he tells them the consequences of sin. But if you come down in Genesis chapter 3, to verse number 21, the Bible says, And to Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. They were naked a moment ago. Now they're clothed. They were ashamed. Now they are covered. Have you ever pondered Christ in Eden? See, the Holy Spirit was there. He didn't begin on the day of Pentecost. No, in Genesis 1-2, he's moving on the face of the waters. And we know the Father is there, our great Creator, But the Lord Jesus is there. Christ was in the Garden of Eden. He was present as the Creator by whom all things were created and for whom all things were created. 
He's pictured here as the sacrifice, the innocent dying for the guilty, the, the covering for our nakedness. And, of course, he's promised in Genesis 3, verse 15, the first promise of Messiah in the whole Bible right here to a family. Genesis 3, 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The Lord looked the devil in the face and said, The Messiah is coming, and Christ is promised here as the victor. Oh, friend, Edom is a reminder that when God could have abandoned fallen humanity, when God could have wiped his hands and said, Enough, I'm done with you. No, instead of doing that, he chose to step into that brokenness and make it over again, make it whole again. Aren't you glad God doesn't wait to fix it all, to show up? He steps right in the middle of the mess. Why? Because only he can fix it, number one. And number two, because then only he will get the glory. The only thing that makes home complete is the presence of the Lord. God in his rightful place. Would the Lord be welcome at your house today? Would you throw out the welcome mat to him today? Would you say, Lord, come into our home and take over. You be in charge and make our home what you want for it to be. We hope that you will spend some time talking with your family today about these truths from God's Word and spend time praying for each member of your family. You may find additional podcasts, helpful articles, full-length Bible messages, and other resources at enjoyingthejourney.org. Until next time, may God bless you and your family.